Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and R.E.M. Barry as we talk about college football, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 196. kick off this episode we're going to talk about not the good the bad and the ugly but the interesting the bad and the ugly you'll see where this is going here in a minute so the interesting fun fact that i have for you today is that the most field goals blocked on consecutive plays is two fun fact and that record is held by iowa set in 2009 against uni so what happened here was towards the end of the game you and i lined up for a 39 yarder that was blocked and apparently there was a rule um or Something got messed up. I'm not actually sure. Where on a first down, if you go for a place kick and the ball didn't cross the line of scrimmage, you and I has the opportunity to re-kick, apparently. That makes sense, as, as long as you recover it, of course. But what's interesting is that the ball actually did cross the line of scrimmage. They just said it did. Okay. I don't know. So you and I then had the opportunity to re-kick with one second left. So then you and I then again lined up for another 39-yarder. That's the interesting part. Why... So they must have made it all the way back to the line of scrimmage and down the ball after they recovered it behind? Uh, I don't know. Or they recovered the ball at the line of scrimmage? I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Doesn't really matter because the kick was then blocked again. There has been a couple other instances of two blocked field goals in a game, of course, but none that were back-to-back. There's your interesting. The bad, we all know that Iowa's offense is pretty bad, but did you know that they were last in the FBS for total offensive yards at 1,591 yards? and averaging 3.89 yards per play. That's bad. That's 131st out of 131 teams in FBS. But for the ugly, can you tell me how many yards the 130th team in FBS has for total offense? So we want the second to worst in total total offensive yards. And what was Iowa at for the worst? So the worst was 1,591. So what I want is that total number of yards without going over uh, the closest will win, and they will get their name read first in the intro, which uh, an astute listener may already know who the winner is if they paid attention during the intro. So are you, do you guys have your guesses? Are you ready? What order are we doing this on? Uh, Make Arian go first. He won last week. Well, I think I should get to go last since I won last week. It doesn't. It just, it, say all three of them at the same time, and then we'll have a heavy goal. <laughs> that. Ready? Ready? And bonus points, um, if you can also name the school. There's no actual bonus points, uh, brownie points, I suppose. Uh, so I need your answers for total offensive yards for the second tourist offense uh, by yard in FBS. I'm three, two, one. 1,281. 1,300. What do you say, Ariane? I said 21. I'm going high. 21. Hundred. Yes, obviously. I didn't know I had to say that specifically. So, Mike, you said 1,281? Yes, and Kyle didn't say it at the same time and then just sniped my answer, so not a fan. I'm a little confused because Iowa has 1,591. No, you said 1,050-something. No. no, I said 1,591. Okay, I need a new guess. Oh, I, heard I need a new guess. Okay, you all can... You all guess if you would like. <laughs> I'm the old, I think I win automatically because everybody else DQ DNF. Unless DQ. you win over. Now if you go over, right? Then it's no like one wins. We're all losers. Right. Um, I, I will uh, give you each the opportunity to re-guess if, if you so choose. Can you give me that Iowa number again? 1591. All right, I got a new guess. I'm you right. have one, Kyle? Yes. All right. Go ahead. 1,812. What's yours again, Kyle? 1,598. Ariane, do you have a new guess? Nope. Kyle wins with the closest but not going over. Uh, do you guys have a guess on who this team is? Oh, God. Colorado State. <laughs> it's definitely not Iowa State. UNLV. No, Massachusetts for 1,701 yards. What is Massachusetts mascot? Does anybody know off the top of their head? That's what I thought. 
that's still that's a huge spread like 1500 yeah. to 1700 oh my lanta anyway that's the ugly thank you for playing kyle wins good job kyle can i can i add something to the ugly yeah please i don't know if any of you guys saw this uh i think we all probably follow the sickos committee on twitter montana state and weber state montana allowed four safeties this game Every single one of them was off botched snaps for punts. Four safeties, all 100% their own fault, snapped way over into the end zone. Four times in one game. That is the most safeties that has ever been allowed in a game. And none of them were forced by the defense. Oh, I love that. Just gr- gross. I can't think of something more more ugly than that, really, as far as football goes. That's pretty bad. And none of those snaps were close. The punter didn't no. even have a chance to get his hands on any of those punts. I think one of the ones literally, they were probably on the 15. I don't think it hit the ground until the end zone. (laughs) I've seen passes go for shorter than those snaps. So maybe find a new long snapper for next week. Presumably whoever else you have can't be worse. Yeah. Give me a scholarship and I'll go out there and long snap for you and do better than that. I was going to say, mine definitely will not get all the way to the end zone. So you won't (laughs) get a safety. I promise that. Yeah, there was some ugly um, college football, but none of us had to get frustrated by another ugly um, Cyclone performance this week as they were on bye. What did you guys all do with your bye week when you weren't getting frustrated by the Cyclone? So I'm, I'm curious. I watched that disgusting Iowa game and got frustrated by Iowa. Yeah, I started watching the Baylor KU game and then I realized how bad Iowa was and everyone was talking about how bad it was. So I went to educate myself so that i could make a mockery of them then i watched the texas game and then the k-state game yeah i was at home i drove home my brother got married so i was celebrating with him and his new wife it was a lovely time i had a great time so that is what i did all weekend i basically didn't watch any football this weekend so everything i say is based off watching highlights Nice. Well, congratulations to your brother. Yes, congratulations to him. I, I decided to use my bye week to uh, bike to Wisconsin and back, so that was fun. My legs still hate me. How long is that? Uh, it was 47 miles round trip. Wow, that's Dang. impressive. Was that just off the cuff? Do you practice? Do you bike a lot? <laughs> You're just like, I think I'll bike 50 miles this weekend. The most I had biked in one once this uh, year was 17 miles was the most I'd done at some point this year. And 36 was the most I'd ever done in my life in one time. So it was a quite jump. a bit. Yeah. We could use this as a teaser to start covering Tour de France when that's a thing. Because uh, we, we. I know we've had some, some listeners uh, want that to be covered by us. So, Mike, you are oh, now going oh. to be our resident cyclist expert. Hooray. Okay, sounds good. Don't. Yeah, don't don't bike 50 miles if you don't know what you're doing. My legs still hate me. They're, they're very sore. Anyway, well, I hope you all enjoyed your bye week because next week uh, we're right back at it and you've got to watch more frustrating Cyclone football. And this week it'll be against OU. Saturday, 11 a.m. on FS1. Um, opening line has Oklahoma as one and a half point favorites. Um, but FPI gives Iowa State a 62% chance to win this game. Depending on who you believe, maybe the Cyclones are the favorite, maybe not. We will see. It's a battle for last place in the Big 12. The loser of this game will be in last place in the conference. So that's an interesting fun fact. I don't think you would have thought that at the beginning of the year. I would have thought, this, I would, would have thought it would have been much more likely that this would have been uh, a battle for first place in the conference than last place in the conference come this point in the year. What are your keys to beating Oklahoma? Anybody? I think uh, basically at any point this year, our goal and how to beat a team is just put up some points. Just put up like 27 points. And I feel like we have about an 80% chance to win that game because our defense has, other than a couple, really just one time, looked very good in every game. So I trust in the defense if our offense can get on board. I like our shot, especially against a team that has not performed amazingly this season. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, Oklahoma's offense has not been as explosive as they were or as they have been in previous years. So, yeah, I agree. If you can, if you can score 20 point, 25 points, you probably win this game. I agree. And the, their defense, I mean, hasn't been great either. No. A la the, the TCU game where they gave up 600. Was it over 600 yards of offense, I believe? 
It was at least over 500. So I'm not saying that we're going to expect an offensive explosion from Hunter Deckers after a bye week. Um, I think if everyone on this podcast heard me say that, they would fall over because I have been the Hunter Deckers, uh, I guess, hater, (laughs) resident hater on this podcast. But I, I think it could be an opportunity for Deckers to get in a groove and gain some confidence. I, I think going into this game, they need to get him a lot of a lot of easy passes, easy reads right off the bat, so that he's not trying to force feed Xavier Hutchinson the whole game, and the defense is easily able to zone in uh, on what he's doing and and cover that. Um, no matter what, it seems like X is going to get eight to ten catches a game, if not thirteen targets a game, somewhere in that range. Uh, he is your top receiver for a reason, but the ball does need to be spread around a bit. And the running game needs to be at least serviceable. I think this bye week came at a great time. Hopefully, Jarrell Brock comes back healthy. Um, because outside of Cartavius Norton, I have not seen too much that's impressed me about this running game. Uh, and it's something that definitely is needed in order to open up some of those easy throws over the middle for Deckers. Uh, just because right now I'm not exactly sure he's reading the defense as well as he needs to be, uh, and it's not leading to uh, throws that are on time, which is hurting the offense, giving too many, uh, too many whole like held counts, holding the ball uh, for the pass rush to get to him as well. So get the ball out on time and in rhythm. There you go. Those are our keys to the game for the Cyclones against OU. Um, We will, of course, fill you in on everything that happens on next week's episode of the 8311 cast. Now, just because the Cyclones were on by does not mean the entire NFL was on by, though at least for me, my team was on by. So I also really didn't watch much football at all this, this weekend with both my teams on by. But Kyle, I presume uh, you watch football on Sunday as well, and you're uh, willing to fill us in on uh, what happened this week in the NFL? I did. Everything from Dak Prescott coming back to Christian McCaffrey really being the the headline of this week. Um, and, and we'll jump into that right now. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey, if you were all aren't aware of what happened, if you live under a rock, he was traded from the... Uh, Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers. Part of this um, mass sell-off that uh, the San Fran- or that the Carolina Panthers, excuse me, are doing right now, uh, in the wake of trading Allen Robinson, firing their head coach, um, and, and that going forward. You know, Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan has a uh, very impressive run-based uh, offense. Lots of different schematics that are seen uh, around there, but it, they're trading for a back who, in his prime, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, that is, if he's able to stay healthy and stay on the field. Um, but in in return, Carolina got what they were wanting. I believe they got a second, third, fourth, and then a sixth. Uh, out of this trade, massive draft capital out of one player in particular, and Christian McCaffrey. Now, well, that means the 49ers now won't pick until round five in next year's draft, if I understand correctly. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Because they traded their first to trade up to get Trey Lance. Correct. 49ers draft picks 2023. Uh, list of picks after the Christian McCaffrey trade. Here's what we get. They have a round three compensatory pick. Uh, uh, they have two round three compensatory picks in large part to losing Mike McDaniels, uh, the head coach of the now Miami Dolphins. And I believe the other one was for another coach that they lost and they're projected to possibly lose their current defensive coordinator this year which they could be eligible for another uh, compensatory pick. But round three, two in round three, one in round five, and two in round seven. That's what they get next year. That's not much. And here, and where their picks have been traded to, round one traded to Miami, round two to Carolina, three to Carolina, four to Carolina, and six to Houston. Um, So they have lost a lot of draft picks, but 
as you can tell, the 49ers are going win now. Uh, similar to what the LA Rams did last year when they acquired Von Miller, albeit a lot cheaper of an acquisition. But the LA Rams don't have a lot of draft picks. So hopefully you're good at, at scouting and evaluation because that's what the 49ers are going to have to do going forward. They're trading for a position that they don't need, right? The, the, yes, Christian McCaffrey's a great player and he's better than any running back that they have. But when you looked at the 49ers roster, did you scream their running back away from being a Super Bowl contender? Not to me. I might, I might argue that, that they are. That they were one player away from uh, being a Super Bowl contender. When that defense is healthy, they, I mean, this week, going into that game with the Chiefs, they were the number one ranked defense in the league. After this game, I think they, I believe they dropped down to either 12th or 13th. Now, it's one game. We can't overreact to that, it, albeit it is overreaction Monday. But I believe that the San Francisco 49ers evaluated what they had and they said that with Jimmy G at quarterback, they needed a player who could go and get them three or four yards at the end of the game in any given situation for them to win that football game and close out games late. I believe Christian McCaffrey could be that. Now, did they take a lot of inherent risk while trading for Christian McCaffrey, who is oft injured uh, and oft unavailable? What they say is the best availability or like the best ability in NFL is availability. And Christian McCaffrey lacks a lot of that. But they went in and got the most talented player on the trade market before the NFL trade deadline this season. And they said this could uh, they clearly thought that that was the piece. Yeah, I. I got to agree with Kyle a little bit more than I agree with you, Mike. Um, I think that their team is really good overall. I think Jimmy G is like, you know, kind of your new Eli Manning style quarterback where he is probably the bottom line of a quarterback that you can win a, win a Super Bowl with. And the more pieces you can put around him that elevate every other part of the game, he's not going to lose you a ton of games generally. He's just not winning them either. So if they feel like they can come combine like Debo with Christian McCaffrey and just give him all the tools to succeed, I think he will succeed. I, you know, it maybe won't work out, but we just saw another team in the NFC West just sell picks, sell picks, sell picks, and they just won a Super Bowl. The Rams yep. don't ever draft anymore. They only just pick up whoever they want. So the 49ers probably saw that and thought, screw it, let's go for it. This is I would argue easily a top three back in the league if he's available. When he's healthy, when he's healthy, by far a top five back in the league, if not top three. Yeah. And this is arguably, you cannot look at the 49ers roster and judge their season so far, or sorry, their record and judge their season so far. When you look at that roster, they're missing like five or six starting defensive players. They were missing... A uh, bunch of offensive talent. Before this game, they were missing Trent Williams, the highest paid left tackle in the league. And yet, they, I believe they have the, big, the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. Far better than the Bills. I think the Bills have the best roster at the top of the NFL. You know, they're, they're all of their starters combined. But the 49ers have depth. And I believe that depth right now is keeping them afloat. But when they are healthy... That is the best roster in the NFL, and, and they added to it. I don't want to play those 49ers at, at the end of the season if they're completely healthy or in the playoffs going for a playoff push if they're healthy. What they said is how they lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs two years ago, or three years ago now, sorry. They uh, lost that game because Jimmy G couldn't close it out. Christian McCaffrey could be your player to close out that game. When you've got Kyle Juszczyk leading the blocking, you've got Trent Williams blocking on the left side. You run behind those guys. You can keep the ball from anyone's hand in the AFC because what they are looking at right now in the NFC is an absolute crap NFC division. Well, a division that's up for grabs, I would say, but the whole NFC as a whole, the Packers are down. The, the Buccaneers are down. Yeah, the Giants are in there, and yeah, Dallas is there, but do I really believe that Dallas has the means to compete with the 49ers? Do I believe that Jalen Hurts has the means to complete, compete with Jimmy G and that 49ers team with very little 
like playoff experience. I don't. I think the 49ers with this move cemented themselves as the team to beat in the NFC this year. You can't look at their record, though. Yeah, at the end of the day, do you think they overpaid to get him? I don't. I don't either. I They didn't get have to give up a first-round pick. They didn't have any to give up, but they didn't have to, right? It, and the crazy thing was the Carolina Panthers being the ones who are selling off. Brian Burns has been rumored as the defensive end who's garnering the most uh, trade interest this season, uh, playing in his fourth season with Carolina going into a contract year. Supposedly, he was the Carolina turned down a deal where he was off. They were offered two first round picks for a defensive end. And yet the 49ers didn't have to give up first round picks in order to get Christian McCaffrey and Carolina's paying the majority of his salary this year. Sign me up. I'd take him. I think I think the 49ers are better with him. Now, did it look that way this week uh, when the Chiefs dropped 42 on the league's best or top ranked defense? I don't think so. Uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey being traded on a Thursday. He did not have enough time to learn that playbook. Give him five practices. He's a smart guy. He went to Stanford. He's going to pick it up quickly. Uh, the, the 49ers are going to be fine. They just need to get healthy. Um, but the chiefs hit the 49ers at a right time. And they just went to show that that offense is coming together a little bit better. Now, Travis Kelsey wasn't the feature Juju Smith Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling both went over 100 yards the first time since 2002 that the Chiefs have had two 100 yard receivers, wide receivers in a game, uh, excluding tight ends. Obviously, Tra- Travis Kelsey has done that uh, with Tyreek Hill before, but the first time that's happened in a while. So I think the Chiefs are getting a little bit better. They're going into a bye week. They'll get healthy and they'll keep rolling. The team that is rolling right now, and the team, if you look right now, who is leading the NFC West? Seattle Seahawks. I, they found their featured back. Uh, I, we'll talk about another featured back from this previous draft class, but Kenneth Walker uh, was a stud coming out of Michigan State. They have drafted well on the offensive line, an area of weakness that the Seattle Seahawks had going into this season. Uh, Seattle is looking good. I mean, Geno Smith is playing well without turning the ball over. Uh, are they competitors? Are they going to be a playoff team? Don't know. I don't think so. Uh, But the Seattle Seahawks now have a lot of draft capital, thanks to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. And they have primed themselves to be, to rebuild this team pretty quickly. Speaking of teams that are looking to rebuild are, is the Indianapolis Colts who over the past five seasons have dealt out $145 million at the quarterback position, and it doesn't work. The curse of Andrew Luck is still hovering over that stadium, over the organization. As today, Frank Reich announced that Matt Ryan is benched. Sam Ellinger will be the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts next week, and it is not an injury thing. Frank Reich, in his press conference, said that Sam Ellinger is the quarterback going forward for the Indianapolis Colts, which means Matt Ryan... Sorry, but you have not been the answer. A pretty fast benching for a guy that they traded for who was a previous league MVP. Uh, Not going well for the Indianapolis Colts right now. I think Tom Brady has kind of ruined what people expect from quarterbacks. Like, did we really expect Matt Ryan to come in and plan this? That's not how it works. He's 37 years old. That's about when, isn't I think he's 37. You know, quarterbacks don't always hold up until their 40s. Most people are not Tom Brady. We saw what happened to the Manning brothers. We saw what happened to Ben Roethlisberger. That's what happens. Don't expect a guy to perform at a top level when he's aging into his late 30s, early 40s. And I think teams need to realize that and stop shelling out big money for guys at the end of their career. It's just not going to work like that anymore. I, I think I think they also had a preconceived notion that they that Matt Ryan could do it because Phillip Rivers did it. Now, were the Colts stellar that year? No. Were they a playoff team and, and a team to potentially fear? Yeah. Uh, with, I mean, he was able to spread the ball around and not turn it over. Matt Ryan can't do that right now. But is Sam Ellinger better than Matt Ryan? No. Sam Ellinger is more mobile than Matt Ryan. And sure. when you have a piece of garbage offensive line that can't do anything, you kind of need somebody to scramble around. I mean, the Colts are looking at their team right now, right? And they're saying, we're paying a we're paying a ton of money on this offensive line. It isn't paying out. We're going to have to pay Jonathan Taylor here soon. 
I feel like they're they're in win now mode and they're trying to figure out if Sam Ellinger has it or if they are going to potentially without saying it out loud or in vocalizing it, if they're going to tank and try and go get a quarterback in this year's draft, Hendon Hooker, maybe, I don't know. Will they do that? I'm not a GM for that reason, but I think they want to see what they have in Ellinger, see if he can be a flash in the pan. If it's a kid that will, could be the guy going forward. Uh, But they know for now it is not Matt Ryan and they need to figure out if it's Sam Ellinger because Otherwise, they're going to be going going hunting for a quarterback in the first round this year. Sam may not be better than Matt right now, but we know that Matt Ryan's not going to get better. Sam nope. might. So That's try fair. it. See what happens. It is what it is. And Daniel Jones, another quarterback who has been highly scrutinized in his career so far. The Giants did decline his fifth-year option, but he is playing the best that he ever has so far in his young NFL career. And the G-men are 6-1. The question is, are they for real? And I don't know. Uh, I think it's too hard to tell this early in the season. I think they have had a pretty easy schedule to start the year. I love the win over the Baltimore Ravens that they had two weeks ago. But I think I need to uh, see a little more because I'm going to put them in a category called called pretenders and maybe not contenders. So uh, I want to see more out of the Giants before I bump them up to a serious contender this season, but a franchise that has desperately needed wins um, to rejuvenate that, that fan base. I got to say, yeah, they're for real. I mean, it's over 40% of the season is gone. They're six and one. If by real, you mean they're favorites to win the Super Bowl, maybe not, but this is not the same sad giants team we've seen in years past. Like I think they're legit. I think they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think that, you know, like you said, easy schedule to start, but they're winning games they should win, which is not what we can say for a bad team. So I think they're for real as far as what you see. The thing that gives me concern about the Giants is they've still got to play the Eagles twice. They've still got to play the Cowboys once. They, that's a really good division that they're going to they have. Play, some- they play the Vikings. And do they have, have, have five of their wins been single scores, I think? Correct. A lot, a lot of close games. Hey, but they're on the right side of the ball there rather exactly. than losing those close games. All of their wins have been single scores. Okay. If, you count, if you count eight points as a single score, which I do. I'm counting it. They so, beat the Bears 20 to 10. So that, I mean, we'll see. Props to the props to the Giants this year. They're winning those close games. The defense is doing what they need to. Kayvon Thibodeau is a stud on that defensive line for them going forward. Uh A team that is desperately looking for wins right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. Uh, If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that the Buccaneers and the and the Packers, who we'll get to in a second, would be three and four, I think you all might scoff at me uh, with that as they were preseason picks um, to be uh, division winners, respectfully. Uh, But the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a loss to the to the Panthers only putting up three points is there's some questions there. I mean, Tom Brady's got a lot going on. Uh, That team is a bit injured, but their schedule does not get any easier. Ravens, Rams, Seahawks, Browns, Saints, Niners, Bengals, Cardinals, uh, and then Panthers and Falcons to finish out the season. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Tampa Bay, but they if they lose a if they keep putting together strings of losses, which I don't think they will, they could be on the outside looking in, in the playoff race in the NFC, uh, especially with, with the team like the giants playing as well as they are uh, and the Eagles and, and the Cowboys all really good in their division. So very interesting Packers are in the same boat right now. Aaron Rodgers just looks lost with those wide receivers. Uh, they, aren't able to move the ball as effectively as they need to. That offensive line has been a revolving door this, this year so far as they lose to the commanders uh, on Sunday, but Aaron Rodgers and green Bay have to figure it out as well because the Vikings are playing phenomenal football uh, in that division. I think it's that's a stretch. Well, winning <laughs> games. I don't think they're playing phenomenal. That's definitely a stretch. I believe the Vikings are the best team in the NFC North by far. 
Oh, sure. But saying they're playing phenomenal football and saying they're better than the Packers, Bears, and Lions is a very different thing right now. I will say, yet again, one of these things, Aaron Rodgers can be as talented as he wants, but I just don't see any leadership happening. Right. Every post game, I think this post game, we said we had trouble running the ball and we had trouble catching the ball. And I noticed who that leaves out of the criticism is uh, the quarterback. Yep. Every single time he just deflects blame. He blames these young guys and tries to act like he's the perfect person, but he's missing passes. He doesn't look fantastic. He doesn't look like his NFL or his MVP year. Uh, you know, I just, I feel like he's kind of quit on this team. And if that's the case, they're not going to be good no matter how talented they are. You just can't win when your quarterback does not encourage the players around you. I think it was halfway through the second quarter. The only wide receiver who had targets was Alan Lazard. Yeah. Targets, not even receptions. Targets. He doesn't have any faith in these wide receivers at all. And it goes back to the first play, the first play of the season, a long touchdown pass that, or what should have been a long touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. In order to get Dobbs back into the offense, Mac LaFleur had to call a, a, uh, a jet sweep for him in order to get him the ball. Aaron Rodgers, if you lose his trust, he isn't throwing to you. He's shunning you. He's not going over, putting his arm around you. This is a guy who is not a leader for young people. He is a guy who you plug and play with really talented people. Now, am I saying that the Packers might be good if they go out and get a Chase Claypool? Sure. Maybe, maybe that'll help. But the, so far, Aaron Rodgers is not the leader that's going to lead this team currently to a Super Bowl if this is his final season playing. So we'll see. But Rodgers now is a double-digit underdog for the first time in his career as Green Bay will head to... Uh, I, um, where, Buff- where, where's Buffalo at? <laughs> Buffalo, New, New York. York. Sorry. Huh? Yeah, I was looking for the city. To Buffalo, New York. For that game against the the Bills, Sunday Night Football, uh, yeah, double digit underdog for Rodgers. So we'll see. But the Jets, on the other hand, win again. Uh, this Jets team is now moving on to five and two in the season. Although it did come with a uh, a sad um, outcome for our beloved Brees Hall. He was having a breakout season, potentially Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, absolute RB1 in that offense. He did suffer a torn ACL with some other minor knee damage as well. Um, He will undergo surgery this week and will be out for the remainder of the year. So we hope he has a speedy recovery as he has a bright, bright future ahead of him on a very, very good and young and talented Jets team, it seems like right now. Uh, Sorry, maybe not very good, but a very talented young Jets team right now. Uh, A prime example of why you never panic in the NFL guys, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were 0 one in the season uh, to start the season. Uh, A lot of people were saying what's wrong with Joe Burrow. He had an appendectomy like two, two or three weeks before the start of the NFL season. And they were putting together a new offensive line it's working now. Uh, 400, over 480 yards of off or passing uh, for Burrow in this game. He also had one rushing touchdown as well. If you had him in fantasy, you had yourself a great week. If you were playing against him, you probably lost. Uh, I was on both ends of that this week where I won in a league and lost in a league because of Joe Burrow. But he played a fantastic game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Cincinnati looks to be... Uh, figuring things out, and I don't think that's a team that anyone really wants any part of right now. So that's why you never panic. little fun fact, Joe Burrow is now the only quarterback in NFL history with two games of at least 500 yards passing and four touchdowns. Only one. Well, that was before, that was before this game because he didn't even get there in this game. Oh, sorry, it's 500 total yards. I apologize. Oh. Oh, okay. I read it yeah. wrong. I was like, wait, that must have happened a while yeah. ago because he had totally yards, not passing yards. Yeah, there it is. There's your NFL recap. I, I'm seeing that we need to remind our football players out there of things that they shouldn't do. 
we do. We have we have two things that I'm seeing that we need to add to our list of things football players shouldn't do. Wyatt, you you sort of are in charge of that list. How do you wanna wanna handle this? Uh, you can go ahead and read them off, and we'll get them up on the list. All right. So two things. One of them happened a couple weeks ago. Um, now maybe just a week ago, a little over. Um, and the other one um, was more recent. The first one will go to Devonte Adams. And you guys, please help me uh, with my wording on this. Don't shove a audio visual technician on the field after a game. How do we want to word that? Yeah, don't. I like that. Don't push a random man fully onto the ground for no reason. Don't push Wyatt after the game. Yeah. Please don't do that. I was going to say, he went, it wasn't just like a shove. He pushed him fully bodily onto the ground. It was a full two-arm extension. Yeah, all the way. Enough for that man to go to the Kansas City Police Department and file <laughs> a uh, file a report on that. Poor guy was a freelance. He was a freelancer, too. He's not even employed. He probably got a good payout, though. We're going to put, don't shove an AV technician to the ground on the field after the game. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And the second one we've got to add comes um, courtesy of Vikings backup offensive lineman Oli Udo, who got arrested during the Vikings bye week. Um, and what we're going to put on the list for this one is don't follow a woman into the woman's restroom. That won't go well. Don't do yeah. it. Shout out to uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm glad that story had a better ending than that one. It, it did. The, the story did have a better ending. He just got arrested for something and then resisting arrest because he wouldn't leave when the police told him to leave. So. so we're writing down, don't follow a woman into the women's restroom. We are now up to a total of 38 things on our list of things football players shouldn't do. Rather than read all of them off, I would like you three to name your favorite entry on this list that we have. We can start, we can start with Mike. Oh boy, let's see. I've got to go look over the list again to find my favorite entry. I do as I, well, I but I, know what my I favorite think one is. I know what it is. Let me find it here. <laughs> I just laughed. The number one is don't beat your family members. That's a good rule all the time, even if you're not a football player. These are not, these are for <laughs> football players, but anybody can take this as just general life advice. Some of these I don't even recognize where they came from. I'm going to go with number 30 being my favorite. Don't get caught crossing the U.S. border with one Kyle's <laughs> worth of marijuana. <laughs> That's actually my favorite one as well. I, I like our usage of one Kyle's worth. <laughs> That's what I'm going with is my favorite. Kyle, what's your favorite? I literally, I was looking through this and chuckling at so many of them. Uh, but the one that started making me laugh the most was the combination of 15 and 16. Like, please pay your cab fare and then don't follow it up by punching the cop who tells <laughs> you to pay your cab fare. Like, I just, just, you know. Pay your cab fare and you won't get into either situation. It's your favorite one, Ariane. I'm just working with, uh, I'm looking at all these beautiful highlighted ones, which means Antonio Brown did them. And they're just all so good. Uh, I was between a couple, but I decided to go with don't strip and quit on your team in the middle of a game. That still is one of the most interesting scenes I've seen where he just decided he's going to rip off all of his clothes jump around through the end zone, hype up the crowd, and then just leave the game, and he's never played football since then. I mean, it literally has never happened before. The honorary honorary notice goes to a, don't go into a cryogenic chamber without the appropriate footwear. Yes, both of those are Antonio Brown's doings. 21% of our list out of the uh, 38 total that we have here, 21% of those are something that Antonio Brown did. Um, which is not a good thing. We could probably add more to it if we wanted to. I, I'm sure we, we could. could. Him tweeting a picture uh, with him in the ho- in Giselle's house and Tom Brady leaving the house. I don't know if anyone saw that or I not. not that. That's very creepy. It's a little bit creepy, but also like it was a joke, I presume, kind of. Also, we should put on there for Tom Brady. Don't let don't let Antonio Brown stay around your wife and kids. Just probably a good rule. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. 
What's your favorite, Wyatt? Oh, my favorite was also Mike's favorite, number 30 of uh, don't get caught crossing the United States border with one Kyle's worth of marijuana. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. But that concludes our uh, mini segment of things football players shouldn't do. And I think that wraps up the NFL as well, does it not? It, do- it, does, it does. It does. So after the NFL, we'll talk about Major League Baseball. We are in well into the playoffs. The league championship series were last week. And they were over pretty quick. The two series had a combined nine games um, between them. Not exactly uh, what uh, we were looking for there, but um, there were some interesting games nonetheless. Uh, The Astros swept the Yankees in four games. Um, The Yankees became the first team ever to get swept in a series and also strike out uh, 50 times in that series. Um, the Yankees were just terrible, terrible offensively during that series. Did you see that the ticket price had dropped? It was initially $211, and by that last game, it was $20 to go to a game. So shout out to those super, you know, committed, definitely not fair weather Yankees fans. You guys really are the best fans in baseball. Oh, yeah. So Houston will be appearing in another World Series. Um, And in the National League, they will be playing the Philadelphia Phillies. They took the Padres down in four games. That was definitely a much more um, entertaining series with a lot of uh, close games back and forth um, in that one. A 2-0 game, an 8-5 game, a 4-2 game, a 10-6 game, and a 4-3 game in that series. So. Just a lot more exciting in that series, which we like to see. So it was a good series, but now we will have Philadelphia versus the Astros in the World Series. So the the thing I want to discuss here is so the Phillies were the last wild card team in the National League. Right? So up until this year, the Phillies would not have even been in the playoffs, much less playing for the mm-hmm. World Series. Do you think this expanded playoffs has been good or bad for baseball, knowing that the Phillies wouldn't even be in prior to this year? And prior to the um, round of expansion about six years ago, the Padres wouldn't have even been in the playoffs either. I don't know that it's good or bad. It's different. I mean, if you like to watch more baseball, it's awesome. More teams get a chance. If you're hot at the end of the year, anything can happen Uh, at the same time. You can make an argument that if you didn't earn it in the regular season, too bad. It doesn't really matter. Like, the regular season matters, and you need to be in the top whatever to get in. I I don't know that it's good or bad, in my opinion. I I think it's just different, and you have to get used to it. But you you have three 100-win teams in the National League, and none of them even made the LCS. Yeah. Right? Like, to me, that's not good for you. You're not seeing the best teams play at the highest level, right? Well, even if they are the best teams, they weren't playing at the highest level anyway because they couldn't beat the ones that didn't have 100-plus wins. This is, like the NC- this is like a NCAA basketball championship game between the 7 seed and the 5 seed. Which we would all love. Would we? No, I don't think we would. I'd like it. I would not. We don't need to see, we don't need to see UK versus Duke every time. I'm also neutral on the expansion. I am as well. I, if you are a team that wins 100 games in the season, shouldn't you be able to win games in the postseason no matter what? Similar, similar to the NBA, I, I know typically in the NBA, right, eight teams historically in each conference, right, are let in. Normally, it's the top teams that go and win those games. Yeah, I mean, if you're the top team, just win. <laughs> yeah, just prove it. If you can't do it in crunch time, are you really the best team? But again, right? In ba- it's a little bit different in baseball when even the best teams don't even win 75% of their games, right? This isn't the NFL where somebody wins or somebody only loses twice all season, right? That's not the kind of sport that baseball is. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it personally. I was going to say, obviously you are the most passionate and well-learned about the MLB. So He's I, the purist. If that's your opinion. You're probably right. Yeah, you are a little bit of a purist. I, mean, I, I don't know if there's a right opinion here. It's just your thoughts about the game. But yes, it definitely is more of a, a, a quote-unquote baseball purist opinion. I, I 
do admit that. And I'm not saying I'm right, just my opinion. I don't think you're seeing the best team in the National League. I don't think you're seeing it. There's no way the Phillies can claim they are the best team in the National League. They are playing the best right now, perhaps, but they can't, you can't claim that they're the best team in the National League. That's my take. Yeah, if, if the majority of coverage was like, the playoff expansions are bad, I'd be like, all right, I guess they're bad. But if everybody <laughs> said they're great for the, for the game, I would say, awesome, I'm happy for it. I don't feel like I have enough strong opinions for it to argue it one way or the other. It just feels like a different new thing to me. Before next week, I'm gonna, I want to look into this and see, like, of the past 20 to 30 World Series winners, like, who was, how many times were they the, either the, first or the best or the second best team uh, in the AL or the NL? I'm going to look into that because that's actually piquing my interest of just just understanding, like, how often does the best team? And then we can tweet it out and let everybody know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what's going on in Major League Baseball. Any predictions or expert analysis from you, Mike, about the, the series coming up? Who do, you, who, who do you win? The Astros are the better team. They are. Um, they've looked better this postseason. Um, they've yet to lose a game this postseason. Um, you won't have the situation you sometimes have when a team wins quickly that uh, they're rusty going into the World Series because uh, the opponents have played more recently and they haven't. Both those series ended on the same day, um, so both teams will be equally rusty um, when the World Series starts on Friday. Um, I've got to go with the Astros. I see no reason why they won't win that series in four in five no not in four probably five maybe six i would have guessed five like i said that starts on friday we'll fill you in on what's uh what's happened so far on monday and then uh, in two weeks episodes we'll uh we'll have our world series champion known and we'll let you know but the NBA um, has just started they're at the other end of the spectrum and Ariane wants to fill us in on some of the highs and lows on the NBA season to date. Yeah, we just finished our first week in the league. Or I guess it's technically the association. But, uh, you know, the teams have played about three games each. You can't really overreact too much. But we can take a look at the the extremes and just see what surprised us so far. Uh, in the East, the Celtics and the Bucks are both undefeated so far, 3-0 and and 2-0 respectively. Those are both teams we expected to contend. They have been good so far. Um, a good start to the Celtics coach's new career that I am forgetting right now, but it's like a long name and you can look it up if you want to. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum in the East, the Magic and the 76ers have both not won any games. Uh, if you recall, I think all of us picked the 76ers to go quite far in the East this year. I picked them to win my championship, I think. So kind of surprising. They're working through some stuff there. I would not expect that to continue. And the Magic, I would anticipate to be a little bit better than that as well. I don't see them full-out tanking unless it does go bad for them for the first half, and then you can bet that they're going to be tanking away just like everybody else. In the West, two surprise teams are undefeated, the Jazz and the Trailblazers. The Jazz, as we know, already they're not in it for this season. They gave away their two best players over the offseason, Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves and Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers. Uh, they're still looking to trade some of their better players, uh, but nobody informed the players and the coaches. Those guys go out there and they want to win games. It is not their job to position themselves for the future and potentially get somebody through the draft that's going to take their job. So those players are playing well that are still there and they are 3-0. and And the Trailblazers, while not expected to be terrible, did not expect them to be undefeated as well. Uh, and then you have a long list of winless teams in the, uh, the West so far being the Lakers, the Kings, the Thunder, and the Rockets. And honestly, I can't say that I'm surprised by any of those teams. The Thunder and the Rockets, we already knew they weren't going to be good. The Kings are never good. And the Lakers just have a terrible, terrible roster construction. Russell Westbrook has been bad. I think they're shooting like 17% from three as an entire team, so they just they cannot shoot any jump shots. But... We'll see. Everything will kind of balance out a little bit as the season goes on, and we'll, we'll keep you updated on anything interesting there. 
But from there, we will just go ahead and move on to those signature segments. Mike, you want to take it away? So in Mike's Stupid Rules this week, we're not going to talk about as much of a of a on-the-field rule as a, as, a, as a conduct rule. And this time we'll talk about the conduct of officials. Many of you may have seen this video from earlier, uh, from, uh, from Sunday, where the officials, when they were running down in the tunnel after the game, two of the officials asked um, one of the Buccaneers players, who was it? I can't remember his name. Was it? Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans, yeah. thank you. Couldn't remember which of their struggling wide res- big name wide receivers it was. Um, asked Mike Evans for his autograph after the game, and then they got it, too. He did give it to them. Um, this, of course, raises um, lots of concerns about the independence of officials, um, the conduct of officials, what they can and can't do, all of that. Um, now, this is technically against the rules for officials. They're not supposed to show any type of favoritism or any um, any relationship, I'll call it, for lack of a better phrase, with any of the players, right? For obvious reasons, you don't. Even if this doesn't mean anything, you want to leave the appearance of impartiality for the officials. That's important, right? You don't want to leave... Um, leave the chance for anyone to, to show that opportunity. You know what I mean? You don't want to give the fodder for the critics if, if uh, you know, calls start going Tampa Bay's way. That being said, personally, I'm not very concerned about this. Um, Wyatt, R and Kyle, I don't know what your take is on this. Personally, I'm not very concerned about this. No, uh, I'm not concerned either. It's after the game. Yeah, I think it just looks a little bit, I don't know, the phrase act like you've been there comes to mind. Like really you have to go and get this guy's off from the tunnel. This is your job. You see these guys. Uh, interestingly, the collective bargaining agreement uh, does allow auto- officials to seek autographs, but you have to put a request through the league's officiating department and you are not allowed to do it in person. So there is a way for them to do that. I just think it looks a little bit embarrassing. Like, you know, you're not a fan. I feel like it's you have to be a professional. Yeah. Don't go up and be like, oh, my God, Tom Brady, that's crazy. Can you sign my baby or whatever? Come on now. Why is your baby on the field if you're an official? He's going to get hurt. They're already breaking the rules. I don't know. They could bring baby on the field. There's probably nothing in the rule book that says babies can't be on the field. If you watch the video, the the amount of people that are, like, walking past them and just kind of like, this is an everyday thing, makes me think that this happens pretty frequently. They got caught on camera. It is what it is. They're probably not going to get fired or anything. Like, No. I'd be surprised if they even get fined. They'll probably get reprimanded, and that'll be it. It worse, yeah. They'll get reprimanded, and then they probably won't be assigned a Bucks game but for, for the rest of the season. You probably shouldn't assign them a Bucks game the rest of the year just to be safe. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, are yeah, I don't know. Even if they are big Mike Evans fans, they're still most likely impartial. I'm, I'm sure there's people out there using this as can fodder to, like, Showed that the NFL's rigged, and I don't know what well, you name it. You're always going to have conspiracy it, theorists. Yeah, I'm not concerned about this. I think this this will be all good. I see no problems here. Any other questions about that? Any other comments? We will move right along into our accountability session for our write that down prediction segment. Um, we had four predictions come off the board this week, and some mixed results. Um, Wyatt predicted that Ferrari would win the World Constructors Championship in the world of F1. They are not uh, going to do that. Red Bull has clinched um, that title. Um, Ferrari can't win it. So for that, Wyatt gets a... Ariane predicted that Katie and Kylie will both still be on the nets at the start of the regular season unless I missed a big trade. Um, they both were, right, Ariane? I didn't see anything otherwise. Uh, you are accurate. So for that, Ariane gets a ding, 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 ding. Josh um, predicted one that we thought was very interesting at the time. He said that Brock Purdy would play in October. He predicted this back during training camp. Um, and this did happen. Um, debatably, it happened um Two weeks ago in week six, um, he came in to kneel down once 
Um, but it did for sure happen in week seven. He came in to replace Jimmy Garoppolo late in that blowout against the Chiefs. Um, and he threw f- on, uh, nine passes, completed four for 66 yards with one interception, um, including a long of 22. So not a great showing, but I mean, a respectable showing for uh, Mr. Relevant in the draft and good to see him get in there. So Josh gets a ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. Then last to come off the board was another prediction from Josh predicting that the Padres would win the World Series, which as we just heard, they did not even make it. So for that, Josh gets a nah. That is our accountability session. Um, so I will get us started with predictions back on the board. I'm going to predict that the Timberwolves have two All-Stars. Not necessarily, not starters, just All-Stars. Two All-Stars. Not going to say which two players, though. Okay, so hold on a second. Uh, Rudy Gobert is like a four-time All-Star, I think. I mean, it it realistically, it's going to be two of Cat, Gobert, Ant, or right. D'Lo. Right, D'Lo's not getting as a chance. So you're good there. So Cat and Gobert have both been All-Stars three times. Have they ever been All-Stars together, though? Last year. Were they? Okay. Because they um, sort of play the same position. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, kind of. Um, I think you have a pretty, if you said one of them would be one, I'd give you a single. I feel pretty confident that one of either Rudy or Cat will get in. Maybe another one, and then depending on how Anthony Edwards does this year, pretty good shot there as well. I want to say double, but that feels pretty low, so I'm going to say triple. I have no reason to argue against that. I don't either, especially with you being an NBA, our NBA expert. Triple it Um, is. I I will complain. I won't complain. Everything from Josh this week, is he still alive? He, he is. He is quite frustrated with um, his Packers and their performance, but he's holding out hope, and his quote, uh, his prediction is, and this is a direct quote, the Packers beat the Bills somehow. Close quote. Can we get a 538 on that? Or yeah, 538. 538 on that game. Uh where is it? Oh, it's a Sunday night game next week. Uh, gives the Bills an 84% chance to win that game. FPI. Our favorite statistic here. Yeah, FPI gives the Bills an 82% chance to win. So they're both pretty close. Oh, shocking. About a 20% chance. So this is double-triple territory? What are we thinking? Double or triple? It, it don't feel like a double. It feels like a triple. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it the, feels the, the that numbers way. Do, the numbers do lean double, but my gut says triple. Okay. And this Bills team looks good. And this Packers team does not. Either do the Bucks. I'm going to have that the Bucks will finish below 500 on the season. What are they right now? Three and two? Something like that? Three and, three and four. four. Three and four. I don't know what week it is, obviously. This is like the latest in the season Tom Brady's ever been below 500. And they're currently... At, uh, 538 projects them to finish 9 and 8. So right on the border there. Ooh, Let's see. That's what tough. does FPI give them? Let's see. Somewhere? Where is FPI? I just can't find FPI on ESPN's website. I'm just going to run down their games really quick. They have left. Uh, Ravens, Rams, Seahawks, Browns, Saints, 49ers, Bengals, Cardinals, Panthers, Falcons. I mean, honestly, quite a few of those sound like losses, right? <laughs> if they're going to keep playing like they play right now. Yeah. Uh, projections. Here we go. Has Tom Brady ever finished his a season below five hundred? 
That's a good they, question. I don't think so. FPI also predicts them to finish nine and eight for what it's worth. Um, well, geez. My gut is a triple. I think it's less than that. I was going to say double. I was going to say double. Yeah, that seems fair. So the only way, if you want to count the year 2000, he started one game and went 0-1. I don't think that qualifies. That's the only time. Other than that, it looks like his lowest win percentage was 625, not counting this year. Yeah, to me, this is a double. Double it is. What do you got, Cal? To F1. Checo. So Sergio Perez will win. Win. I call it, I pronounce it Sergio. Sergio. He will win in Mexico. Maybe. Wyatt, I'll defer to you uh, on this, I, I guess. Mean, I, I a mean. big maybe. I mean, maybe. He is the number two driver for Red Bull. If Verstappen screws up or has to retire or something throughout the race, I mean. Or he just has a bad race, you know? Maybe. So maybes to me. I'll are, give you. I'll give you. Uh, hold on. I will give you FanDuel odds yeah, so, once I can figure out how to get to F one. Official maybe, sponsor of the eighty three eleven cast FanDuel. Uh, that is uh, untrue. Unfortunately, if you say it, they might send us a check. Oh, or a cease and desist. Checo Perez <laughs> has has third has the third best odds at plus five hundred. Max Verstappen minus one seventy, Charles Leclerc plus five hundred. Oh, so he's tied for second I, best odds. Like I said, maybe. To me, maybe it's a double. Double? Um, yeah, sure, that works for me. I agree. Right. Like, thanks for agreeing. I, I don't think it. Do you think it's a triple? Like hard? Think it's a triple? Mm, no, I, I. I think it's my, close. My but... gut kind of thinks it's. A little bit closer to a triple than a double, but I don't think it's. I mean, Max is already clinched. I don't think it's a triple. Like, I. It's not, I'm not saying he doesn't have the drive. Oh, if anything, Max but... was needing to clinch, I would ah, be yeah. making this prediction. But yeah, I, I would hope not. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to a double there. Double it is. What do you got, Arvan? I'm gonna break into the world of F1 with my first ever F1 prediction. And uh, I just asked you guys, what's not going to happen? And then I picked that as my prediction. So we're going to say Haas will podium in a race before the end of the season. Haas, the only U.S.-based constructor in Formula One, has never yeah, had a America. podium. Um, home run. To me. And then home run. Yeah. I'm just really feeling it this week. So I have three predictions. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I was just feeling it. I was thinking about my fantasy team and how bad. So I'm going to say Russell Wilson will finish the year with more interceptions than touchdowns. <laughs> what is he at now? He is at three interceptions and five touchdowns. So th- this seems unlikely. This seems like a triple or home run to me. Unless you watch him play and then you're like, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this does not seem likely. I mean, yeah, maybe, but it has never happened in his career before. Not even close yet. But there's a tri- triple. <laughs> there's a chance. There's a chance. It's, yeah, it's probably I'll, I'll a triple run, but I, I, I'd settle for a triple. You sound like you were lobbying it to be less than we were going to give you. So just because <laughs> you were doing that, I'm giving you a triple. That's fair. And what's and your then, one? I just already typed the word Russell. So then I'm like, let's keep going on the Russell uh, predictions. And I'm going to say Russell Westbrook will either get bought out or end up being sent home and not playing before the end of the season. There will not be a trade for him. He will just end up not playing for the Lakers this season. 
on on the sent home and not playing is that like count for a game or just like for the rest of the season just like you're done get out of here um see that's a good question not more than a game we'll say a week at least okay i would say if that happens he's not coming back I mean, but, maybe, yeah. but I want want to. It's a good clarification. Yeah, to get for it. sure. I don't if if they send him on for one game and he comes at the end. I don't think that counts. But significant time away from the team, an entire week, that would be a lot. Or yeah, they just end up buying him out, releasing him, and somebody else picks right. him up that way. But I think yeah. he ends up not on the Lakers without getting a trade partner. Hmm, it's a weirdly complicated prediction. I I really don't know what to give this one. Is this a double? Is this a it's triple? Probably more than that. Between people at home, it just does not. I feel like especially it, for somebody that high dollar. Yeah, that, that's a name that I know in a sport that I don't follow too closely. So this is probably a triple. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I could argue a home run, but I'm okay with a triple. Also, Lots you of- named you named a bunch of guys. With Russell in it, I was wondering where your George Russell prediction was. Oh man, you should have told me that before. I would have changed my Haas prediction. Next week, you can do it next week. All right, go Russells. Except all my predictions are about Russells. Yeah, Yeah, they're all about bad (laughs) Russells. With two doubles, four triples, if I counted right, and a home run, that concludes our write that down prediction segment. Which means, yes, we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 196. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!